Good afternoon and welcome to episode four of the Transformational Coaching Podcast with Coach Hyman. Hope everybody's having a great Tuesday afternoon today. Uh, Coming to you live from the big city of Florence, South Carolina. Oddly enough, this is an afternoon where I don't have anything scheduled for work and no baseball. Um, We have to enjoy days like these in the spring when they come across because normally I'm literally working from eight to four-ish and going straight from there straight to the ball field just the first time i uh, haven't had work uh or baseball this afternoon so trying to catch up on some of the podcasting uh element of the content that i've been producing today i want to talk about something that's been real heavy on my heart lately and that's something called staying coachable within the spotlight that's going to be our topic today uh, <clears throat> again uh, there's an article that goes along with this. It's about 4,500 words long. <laughs> it says on there, uh, please enjoy this 19-minute read. I got. I really I understand I really got to cut back on the, uh, the amount of time that – amount of words I put in these articles. It's very hard to get it down to 1,200, though. Very hard. Talked to a guy from Inside Pitch Magazine. He wanted to put one of my articles in the ABCA magazine. Um and he said, hey, man, this thing's 4,700 words. Can you trim it down to 1,200? And it's like, dude, I I don't even know how we got to 4,700 words. Like, I have no idea how we got there. Um, sometimes I go off on tangents like that. So, But hopefully it's good. If you make it from the beginning to the end, hopefully you uh, get something out of it. Um, I'm going to try to make the podcast portion of these significantly less and just try to touch the high point. But... As with anything, uh, I have a tendency to get sidetracked. So if I feel passionate about it, there's a good chance I'll get uh, off the beating, the beaten road, um, and end up somewhere I don't want to be. So I'm sure the same thing will happen on this. I'll try to keep it keep it uh, locked in here, but I can't guarantee. As you can tell, I've already spent three minutes talking about this. Um, But anyway, so yeah, so. I think the big thing is as coaches, um, when we talk about helping our athletes remain coachable within the spotlight, um, it ultimately comes down to four things that we really have to focus on. Managing their expectations, managing their emotions, managing their identity, and identifying the path to their next best self. Okay, Those are the four things that we're going to focus on, on in this article. And the specific player we're talking about is your player who's reached his first ceiling, okay, or his second ceiling or whatever, Uh, and he's in the spotlight. That spotlight is beaming on him hard. Uh, It's a bright light, and a lot of these young guys, they don't know how to handle it, and it's okay uh, because nobody's really talked to them about how to handle it yet, including us coaches. Um, I was thinking about, you know, a situation we had – had going on a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking, you know, we've got these kids here who work their tail off to get to where they're at, and then they get thrust into the spotlight, and nobody's prepared them for how to handle it. Like, how do we get them to understand, like, hey, you haven't arrived. Like, you're at your next ceiling, but we got to bust through the next ceiling because there's another ceiling after that. Um, we don't talk about it enough. We don't coach to it enough. And I think the reason we don't coach, I, for me specifically, the reason I don't coach to it enough is just because there's a fear factor in there about, you know, 
you get somebody believing too early in the process they're going to make it and then they don't make it just it's it's a complicated process but as coaches it's something that we have to start working towards uh and working on spending more time talking about and trying to help young athletes navigate so um i'll give you a just a background on me regarding that i mean i i'll be the first to admit i've never handled the spotlight well um dating back to when i was a high school athlete um you know the minute i started having some success and really realized that i was pretty good at this game um yeah kind of pissed it away to be honest with you i lost my desire to work hard uh and i talked about this in a previous episode you just get to a point where uh you just settle with being one of the best on the field you lose your desire to be the best on the field um because you start seeing, hey, I'm pretty good at this when I don't put 100% effort into it. So why would I, you know, maximize my effort in this if I can be pretty good at it? Well, you know, it's it's a problem. That was a problem for me. Um, and it remained a problem for me for the early part of my adult life. Um, so that's how it kind of translates over time and, and the, the problems it causes you. So I fell victim to the spotlight. Um, I'm in a much better, much cleaner place now, a much better place now. Uh, but I did feel like I lost many years of getting ahead because I didn't handle success well. Um, but anyways, that's enough about me. Let's talk about the spotlight, what it is, and what it is, okay? And when an athlete initially goes on, starts this journey to being the best they can be, all right, the spotlight really becomes that moment where everybody else is looking at them saying, hey, this dude, this female, this athlete, they've arrived, man. Like, they're pretty daggum good. Um, I'm going to use a, an example of a couple players at South Lawrence. I mean, for Lenora Sellers, I think anybody who watched uh, high school football this year, uh, they saw that kid and they said, man, that kid right there, he's arrived. Like, that dude's the real deal. It's different. I mean, I, I'm not a football coach. I'm not a, I mean, I love watching football, but I'm not a football coach. don't know anything about the X's and O's of football. But I can just tell you now, uh, I remember sitting in the state championship game watching that kid throw the football thinking, damn, that's nice. That's different. That's what a D1 quarterback should look like, right? Um, that guy arrived. I always felt like, you know, everybody else in the state, everybody else in the country had no idea until later on how good that kid was. A kid should – Kid should have been a five-star recruit. Uh, I mean, somebody said, well, he's a late bloomer. Come on, man. Like, that kid overcame a lot. And, uh, I mean, I guess it was fair that he was, what, three-star or something like that early in his career. But after what he did his senior year, he was a five-star recruit all the way. He was one of the top ten quarterbacks in this country, no doubt about it. If he'd been playing football at some big 6A school in Texas, everybody would have known about him because he played football in Little Old Florence, South Carolina. You know, you know the story behind that. But anyways, so that's what you've arrived. This is the spotlight. Like, you're in the spotlight, you know, for, for a guy um, in our program, you know, Aiden Palmer, you know, kid goes out. He's worked hard, done a lot of things right. Um Goes out to pro day, throws 93, okay? Well, now everybody's looking, right? Spotlight's beaming really, really bright. How are you going to handle it? Um, everybody's saying this dude might be the next big thing, right? That's the way it goes. That's what the spotlight looks like. Um, now, the danger in the spotlight is this, okay? Uh, 
for the majority of high school athletes, like everything they do is done in the dark. Like outside of their teammates and their coaches, the general public doesn't know how hard they're working to uh, to to how hard they're working to get to where they're trying to go. Right? You know, they hit off the tee for hours, become a great hitter. Nobody sees that. They just see the final outcome. I remember. Um, 2018 was my first year at South Lawrence, and we had a guy by the name of Will Hardy. Uh, he's probably – him and Austin Moore are probably two of the better pure hitters I've ever coached in my life. And I, I'm not going to take any credit for coaching them because I was just kind of like a side piece on that. Like I just watched it happen, right? But, I mean, Will Hardy, his brother Jake, those guys spend hours like – Hours hitting off the tee. Hours hitting off the machine at their house. I mean, like I've heard them tell stories about like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. These guys are out there just banging balls. Thousands of baseballs. Like, nobody sees that, though. You know, they just see these guys show up on game day and they're pretty good. Um, so that's the danger is there's no crowd watching them uh, do all this stuff. Nobody's in the weight room watching them, you know, pound iron. Outside of teammates, coaches, their parents, um... There's nobody watching the path that they're taking to reach their peak behind the scenes. You know, all those people see is they don't see the grind. They just see the finished product. So I think the natural reaction is people look at these athletes and they say, well, he's just gift, gifted. Well, yeah, no, he is gifted, but it that's really a shot um, to level work it takes for those players to reach their first peak. And, you know, as a result of that, the people on the outside, they can't really appreciate just how much it takes to get there. Like, they don't remember the times that they would spend, you know, months in the weight room, do the throwing program and everything else, and come out and throw 84, you know. And then nobody's interested in you because you throw 84. And you're like, well, I can find a guy who throws 84, like, anywhere, you know. Um, so people don't, you know, they don't know what those people had to overcome, what they had to endure to uh, – be in the position they're in now. And I think the big danger with the spotlight is this. You know, everyone around you is telling you you've arrived, but because they those people don't have any idea what actually took place to get there, so it's easy uh, for the person who's putting the work in to fall victim uh, to the noise because they're finally, like, getting the, I guess accolades and everything that they work so hard to deserve. Um, and now I think, well, okay, I've reached my pinnacle now. Now people are noticing what I'm doing. Hey, now I'm getting these these results that I've been working for. And, and that's the moment in time where they start losing their edge. Um, because it's like, okay, so this is what it feels like. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right, so um, – that's the danger with the spotlight personally. Now, there's also a team component of this too, you know, because a player getting thrust into the spotlight and handling it the wrong way, um, that can kill a team dynamic faster than anything, right? And just dealing with success the wrong way, uh, stuff like that, it can absolutely just – it can be a turn off to your teammates because they've been there for the journey, right? I mean, they've they've been there. They've seen it. They watch you climb. They watch everybody doubt you. Now they see, you know, where you're at and 
all that and you're not handling it well, it becomes hard for them to watch. And, and it's really something that, like, as the person in the spotlight, like, you've got to identify the fact that you might be getting away from who you initially were, right? The things that got you here, you're moving away from it. And uh, it's got to be fixed quickly because your teammates, they love you, but they're not going to put up with that because, I mean, they got to keep their their nose in the dirt and keep on going, and it's just annoying to them, I think. I'm putting myself in in the position of a player. I think it would be annoying to me uh, and aggravating to me if somebody suddenly forgot about where they came from and forgot about the journey we've been on together to try to help them get to where they're at. So that's kind of the two problems that you see and the dangers you see with the spotlight and handling it the wrong way. Um, So what do we do as coaches to make sure our players don't fall victim to this this spotlight? Um, I told you earlier there's four things I was going to talk about. I think there's four key things you got to identify and you really got to work with your players on managing. Again, the first one is managing their expectations. The second one is managing their emotions. The third is managing their identity. And the fourth is managing, or sorry, identifying the path to their next best self. Okay, so from a managing their expectations standpoint, um, I think the, the first thing we have to do the minute a kid hits a, hits a new ceiling is – we got to hammer home the fact that things aren't always going to be this good. This feels great. This is awesome. Um, but we got to manage their expectations moving forward of what success looks like and what the process is going to look like moving forward. Uh, you think about a pitcher, uh, for instance. He goes out, he's been working his ass off to, to be able to break 90. Okay. And he goes and he throws 92, 93. Well, you know, to him, the expectation is, well, I should, I should throw 93 every time now. Right. And so then what happens a month later when they come out and they're only throwing 89, right? 89, cold morning. Now I feel terrible about myself because I didn't hit 93. Everybody's looking at me like, oh, Lord, what happened to him? He was just threw 93 a month ago. You know, it's that's that's the type of thing. Like we can't measure success on things like that. Okay, we just have to stay committed to the process, and part of staying committed to the process is managing your expectations and understanding that you know not every day is going to be a ninety-three day. You know, as a hitter, not every day is going to be a four for four day. Okay, it's managing, it's managing all that stuff and making sure that we don't lose track of like what the ultimate goal is, and the ultimate goal is, hey, we hit a ceiling. Now the job is to work towards the next one. And it's not always going to be easy. Uh, It's not always going to be people telling us how great we are. Uh, This isn't going to last forever. This dopamine dump that I got, uh, these people making me feel great, this on top of the world feeling I have, everybody being a fan of mine, it's not going to last forever. At some point, fans become detractors. Success meets adversity. Uh, You know, and normally that adversity is tied to – the performance, you know, you, you're not competing consistently at the level people now expect and the level you expect. Um, I think the other thing about that is 
as a coach, we got to make sure that they understand that there's still work to be done. I used to tell my son this all the time. You know, when he started golfing about six years ago, eh, probably five years ago, um, he started going to a guy named Paul Woodbury, and Paul's best in the business. I mean, if you if you want to be a great golfer, you go see Paul Woodbury. Um, he's my kid's coach and has been for a while. But, you know, Paul always said with, with my son Jack, like, hey, dude, Getting you to break 80 is going to be the easy part, right? And, and he got there relatively fast. But, you know, you look at the how quickly he was able to go from shooting 95 to shooting 85, then 85 to 80, 80 to 78. The path was pretty fast. But as that number went lower, the game requires more out of you, right? Uh as a golfer, it requires you to be your short game to be better. Um, it requires an emphasis on hitting fairways and greens in regulation, not missing the green. I mean, there's a lot of excuse me. There, there's a lot of things that go into that, and um, you know, for these athletes who they crush through that first ceiling and they start thinking, "Well, I'm here," it's like. Shit, I I know how much coaching went into getting me here, so why do I need to be coached anymore? You know, I I don't need any I don't need any more of this. I dealt with enough of this to to get here. Well, the best athletes out there, the ones that strive to be the best, they'll allow you to coach them to their next ceiling because they recognize that this isn't the last ceiling they're at, right? And normally the ones who don't make it, normally you can tie back and them fighting the coaching after they hit their first ceiling, right? Um, they can never identify, like, this isn't my final ceiling. There's still work to be done, and I can't stop chasing the next best version of myself. So, you know, as, as you go, as we progress through that, um, you know, we got to stress to our kids, like, you got to have the right guy showing up to compete, and it's impossible to have the right guy showing up to compete if we allow our confidence to go down. Your confidence only, confidence only goes down when you stop being allowed, when you stop being coached. You stop being okay with it. Because uh, the coaches that are going to build that up, right? Because they're going to check you when you're wrong, and, and where the areas that you're failing in, they're going to build you up so you can build your confidence back up. So the thing I think is important, it's going to roll into the next one, managing their emotions, is, you know, as, as players experience letdown due to this unreal expectations they've put on themselves, the emotions definitely are going to start to play into the equation. And uh, it's imperative that we manage those. Like, it's probably more important we manage those versus managing the expectations. So, um, you know, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. One thing that we talk about in the pharma- pharmaceutical industry is with medicine is a peak to trough ratio. And I don't want to nerd out, but, you know, it's essentially the high concentrations of the drug to the low concentrations of the drug. So we talk about peaks and troughs with emotions as well, right? We want that. We want athletes to operate on a one-to-one ratio, meaning, you know, they're they're right in the middle of what too high and too low looks like. Uh, I talk talk to some of our players consistently about this, about, you know, regardless of the situation, like, we don't want to get too high. We don't want to get too low. Like, we have to find a way to operate in the middle. Um, you think about emotions in general and us as human beings. When things don't go our way, 
we get way too animated, way too down, right? Put way too much waiting on one thing not going our way. And when everything's great, we put entirely too much emphasis on, like, it going great. We're way too excited, you know? Screw our expectations totally up. Uh, And I've always attributed this to just the high stakes of every situation in life. You know, as the stakes get higher, our reactions, emotions, success, or failures multiply. I mean, that's it. Um, When you look at the best athletes in the world, though, they don't fall victim to this. You know, you look at the things that really excite an amateur athlete. You know, if if a world-class athlete went through the same thing, it wouldn't amp them up nearly as much. If it was bad, it wouldn't put them on the downward spiral. It puts the amateur athlete on. Um, and that's just something, like, we have to we have to continue to hammer home to, to our amateur athletes, is, especially our high school athletes, because there's already a lot going on anyway, just with the body and – you know, all that, but, you know, we've got to help them understand, like, can't get too up, can't get too down, and, and it takes practice operating in the middle, like, you can't just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to operate in the middle, right, can't do it, um, you have to just make a decision that every day it's going to become part of your process, and it's our job as coaches to help that be part of their process, when you see it starting to spiral, you got to intervene, when you see it getting too too amped up, too whatever, you got to intervene. And you got to identify to them, hey, this is the moment where we're too high. We got to tone it back down. Or this is the moment where you're treating this like somebody just died. Okay, nobody's dead yet. Okay, we got to bring it back to the middle. So that's uh, the managing the emotions aspect of this. And that's going to bring me to the final point from a management standpoint. Um, The management of the identity. Okay. And this, I I could probably do a whole podcast on just this by itself. Um, But managing your identity is... This is a, if you haven't been paying attention, it's time to listen because this is going to get kind of deep for a second. Um, if you don't really believe, if you're not a believer, if you're not into the, the whole God scene, you probably don't want to listen though because uh, I'm going to get a little biblical here. Um, but when we look at what we do as humans, okay, the things that make us feel good, the things that make us feel bad, um, the things that our identity is tied to, okay, we have a tendency to tie who we are as people to the wrong things, right? Um, you know, I've got friends who they're phenomenal professionally, right? But they suck as parents or. They're really good professionally, but um, they're not just not good people, right? But their identity is tied up in how they look professionally. Like, that's who they are. When they look at themselves in the mirror, they look at themselves and say, I'm this big executive, or I'm this, or, you know, what, whatever. Um <laughs> And 
it's just a bad way to be because that job, it could be gone tomorrow, right? And now what are you going to do? Because you've put your whole, all your eggs in the professional basket, right? Um, same thing with athletics. Like, at the end of the day, the things that we do, that, that's all they are. They're the things that we do. They are not who we are. Our, our identity as people has nothing to do with the promotion we got at work. It has nothing to do with how many strikeouts we recorded last year, where we ranked on the rankings report, or – hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. I have no idea how to edit that out, by the way. Um, but our identity has nothing to do with how low our batting average is. So I'll tell you firsthand, as a coach, I've fallen victim to this uh, really bad. When I first started coaching, I thought, damn, like, uh, we're not, you know, how did I lose a baseball game with this team, you know? How did I do it? Like, I must be a terrible coach. Or when we won, I gave myself too much credit. Yeah, man. Nobody could have coached these guys up the way I did. You know, just ridiculous stuff. Like, So I'm feeling like a great coach when we win, feeling like a, just a trash coach when we lose. I'm looking around saying, man, I'm a terrible husband, father. I'm a terrible Christian. I'm terrible. I'm just a terrible human being because we lost a baseball game. It's totally unreasonable, right? Um, Like, good God, these people's perception of me has got to be terrible. And it's all, or or it's good or terrible based on whether we win a baseball game or not. And you know, it's just a stupid way to feel. So when we talk about managing our our managing the identity for our players, it all comes back to to this. Okay, if you're a believer, what's your identity to Christ? Okay, and and I had a boss who told me his name. His name was Dave Wagner. He was one of the best bosses I ever had. Um. But Dave talked a lot about this topic right here, and it's always it's always stood with me. At the end of the day, like, to God, okay, the person who gave his only son so we could have eternal life, right? Our identity to him is we're fundamentally broken souls who sin and make a ton of terrible mistakes. That sounds terrible. But it's what we are. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because God loves us anyways. Right? If you get on down on your knees and you say you, you ask for forgiveness, he's going to forgive you because he loves you. Um, and that's our identity. And all the other stuff we do is just extra stuff we do that has nothing to do with a bigger picture. Right? Um Because at the end of the day, like, you can have everything in the world. You can have all the riches. You can be... You know, the greatest coach, you can be the greatest VP of sales for your massive corporation, or I can be the greatest podcaster, or internet service provider, you know, creator, whatever. Like, does not matter because my identity, those are things we do, not what we are. Uh, and I think the big thing that we have to keep at the forefront of everything is once we're able to move away from, break away from the chains that hold us back every day, like, where we rank, what we're doing professionally, uh, all that, the better life becomes. And that's 100% true for our athletes and something that we have to work on every day. I mean, as a coach, our jobs to remind them that their value 
to us, to their teammates, to their parents. It has nothing to do with their velo or how far they can hit it or their batting average or their awards or nothing like that. Uh, their values in the way they make people around them feel. Okay, Their values is in whether they uplift the guys in the dugout or bring them down. That's it. That's it. And that's what we have to do to manage their identity, help them see that. Um, the final thing we're going to talk about is just what we have to do to keep, you know, continuing this. Uh, I'm screwing this all up. I'm losing focus. Locking in, Brandon. The final thing is we have to help our athletes never stop chasing the next best version of themselves or of themselves. Um, the best way to sum this up is Matthew McConaughey. I think that's what his name is, uh, the actor. He gave a really just a great speech one time, and I don't know if it was the Grammys or the Emmys or whatever that award show is. But he got up there after his award, and he talked about he's never satisfied because whenever he hits the next best version of him, he's always chasing the next best version. Um, I wish I could find that. I should have linked that in my article. I might go back and do that. Um, but, you know, that that that's huge. Like, that's a guy who's made a bajillion really nice movies, probably has plenty of money, nice family, you know, all these other things, and the guy's never satisfied because he's always looking for the next best version of him. Because he said you always have to have somebody to chase, Right. So we go back to the teenagers that we deal with as coaches, and after they experience success, they get complacent where they are. They say, hey, I've arrived. What do I, why do I need to continue doing the things that got me here? I'm here. I'm above all that, right? You know, it's a cardinal sin that destroys so many of our athletes before they even get started. You know, we have to help them see the same way Matthew McConaughey lives his life, that you always have to be chasing someone, and that person you're chasing is the next best version of you. Uh, when you're always chasing something, there's never time to be complacent. There's never time to say, I've arrived, because ne- you're never going to arrive. Okay? You're never going to arrive. You're always going to be chasing that guy. So, you know, if you're an athlete and you're looking around, you find yourself in a position where you start noticing people who've always been in your corner are now no longer in your corner. Maybe they're dodging you a little bit. Maybe... Maybe they aren't coaching as hard. Maybe they're not challenging you as much. It's time to look in the mirror, okay, because you've probably become uncoachable. You've stopped chasing the next best version of you because you think you've arrived. So you're viewing your coaches and teammates like, I don't need you guys anymore. And when you peel that onion back and you're willing to be honest with yourself about how you got to that point, it'll change your life. The rest of your life will be different. Because you'll start seeing that coaching and the feedback from your teammates and your parents as the fuel that's going to get you to the next best version of you. You The problem is if everybody in your life is telling you how great you are, they either A, don't have your best interests in mind, or B, they're just tired of you including the word but in every response you have to them trying to help you get better. I said the word but works a lot like an eraser. It erases everything before it. Uh, what it really screams is whatever you say, but I'm not interested in hearing what you had to say because I know it all. I don't need you. Um, 
I think a good example of somebody like somebody who's also chasing the best version of them. I, I, I saw this video. I've seen it a couple of times actually. Ron Washington working with Von Grissom. Um, he's a new shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. He's filling in that spot for Dansby Swanson, who they let walk in free agency. And I'm not sure why they did that, but they did. But I mean, it was a video, and and Von Grissom's probably making six hundred thousand dollars a year, six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year playing Major League Baseball, starting shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Um, Ron Washington was coaching the hell out of this guy. I mean, he was coaching him hard, giving him some some tough feedback, and you know, like he was like kind of busting on him a little bit. And I think the cool thing for me as a high school coach looking at that was like this shortstop who's getting paid almost a million dollars to play this game. He wasn't rolling his eyes or uh, acting like Ron Washington doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he's using his fuel to get better. He wasn't in a race to explain this up to the coach. Um, he wasn't trying to make excuses. He was in a race to listen and get better because he looked at that guy in front of him and said, this dude's helping me be the be- the next best version of me. Uh, and that's a Major League Baseball player. He's in spotlight every day. Everything he does, people are watching. And he, can, and he can take coaching. It's okay for every high school baseball player in the country to take coaching, right? So those are kind of the four things, recapping, maintaining uh, – the expectations, maintaining the identity, maintaining – maintaining, or sorry, managing. I've been saying it, maintaining. Managing the emotions. And our athletes need to never stop chasing the next best version of them. Those are the four big things about uh, about how to remain coachable within the, the spotlight uh, from my perspective. So, uh, again, to be the next best ver- – to be the next best version – of yourself it takes commitment to a lifetime of staying thirsty. Uh, it takes being committed to managing your expectations, managing your emotions, managing your identity. It takes commitment to being humble and remembering where you came from and never getting away from the things that got you to this point. The thing we have to work against is becoming complacent with where you are and thinking you're above feedback. Um, the day you start doing that is the day that you've started to lose your edge. There's always a better version of yourself out there, no doubt about it. And But it's up to you to stay coachable and stay committed to the process to find that better version. One thing I can promise you is if you're not willing to do it, there's someone out there, there's somebody out there who is, and they're doing it right now to try to take what you have or take what you're trying to earn. So those are my final thoughts on that. Um, again, Thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for reading. Um, got a call to action for everybody. Follow me on Twitter, Brandon at Brandon M. Hyman. Subscribe to the Substack, CoachHyman.substack.com. Um, the WordPress site, my website should be up in the next week or so, CoachHyman.com. And uh, you should be able to follow this podcast on Spotify. I think it's going to be on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, all that stuff within the next couple of days. So. Give a man a follow. Give me some uh, feedback. All those things. I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm stepping out on a limb here trying to provide some content and, and share some of my thoughts on stuff. I may not be relevant to some people, but I'm hoping it might impact somebody. So that's all I got for today. Appreciate you joining, and I look forward to talking with you guys next time. See ya.